a brief reading from God's Word at this point in our service from Luke chapter 11, and it's three verses, 37, 38, and 39. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? Now we turn in God's word once again to the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs chapter 22 and reading from verse 1. And then in a moment turning to Ephesians chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 22, uh, verse 1, let us hear the word of God. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favour is better than silver or gold. The rich and the poor meet together, the Lord is the maker of them all. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honour and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. Whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity, and the rod of his fury will fail. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. Drive out a scoffer, and strife will go out, and quarrelling and abuse will cease. He who loves purity of heart, and whose speech is gracious, will of the king as his friend. The eyes of the Lord keep watch over knowledge, but he overthrows the words of the traitor. The sluggard says, There is a lion outside, I shall be killed in the streets. The mouth of forbidden woman is a deep pit. He with whom the Lord is angry will fall into it. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Whoever whoever oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth or gives to the rich will only come to poverty. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise, and apply your heart to my knowledge. For it will be pleasant if you keep them within you, if all of them are ready on your lips, that your trust may be in the Lord. I have made them known to you today, even to you. Have I not written for you thirty sayings of counsel and knowledge, 
to make you know what is right and true, that you may give a true answer to those who sent you. Do not rob the poor because he is poor, or crush the afflicted at the gate, for the Lord will plead their cause and rob of life those who rob them. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Be not one of those who give pledges, who put up security for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should your bed be taken from under you? Do not move the ancient landmark that your fathers have set. Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Now turning to Ephesians chapter 6 and reading the first four verses. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Amen. So reads God's holy word. Uh, Turn with me again to to Proverbs chapter 22, uh, where uh, we will be thinking about the important subject of parental training. Parental training. Uh, We've entered a new year with all its prospects and all its challenges. Uh, And I trust and pray that 2024 will be a year of blessing for all of you here in Trinity, uh, in your home and family life, uh, and also uh, in your respective callings, and also with respect to the work and witness here of the congregation in all that it does for Jesus Christ. And what an encouraging way to begin 2024 with a sacrament, the sacrament of baptism. For after this sermon, Christian parents will present their daughter uh, for for baptism. And in presenting their daughter for baptism, they are motivated not by tradition. Uh, They are motivated not by superstition, thinking that this practice will bring automatic blessing. No, Andrew and Lorna are motivated to present their child for baptism out of obedience to Jesus Christ. Christ, in his word, has commanded the covenant sign to be applied to the infants of believing parents. And so so what we will be doing later on will be no mere formality, but something that is real and vital and packed with meaning and significance for the people of God. In the sacrament of baptism, we are declaring that the child is a child of God's children, and as such has a special place within the covenant community, a special place in the church of the living God. To be born and brought up in a Christian home and within the context of the church is one of the greatest privileges that anyone can know on this earth. Privilege, however, brings with it responsibility. 
and the covenant child is under a particular obligation to respond to God's offer of mercy in Jesus Christ, to claim the promise of the covenant, to cash in the promised promissory note, to cash in the cheque offered through the gospel in the covenant of grace. For Christian parents to know that their little one is a covenant child, enjoying covenant blessings is a source of immense blessing in their hearts. And it gives them ground for confidence and hope regarding the child's salvation. However, again, privilege brings with it responsibility. The covenant promise was given to Abraham in in Genesis Genesis 17, verse 7. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout your generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. What a promise. Uh, And I'm sure uh, Abraham relished that promise that was given to him. But how? How would his offspring, how would his children come to know the living and true God? How would they come to put their trust in him? Well, it would be through Abraham. Uh, Genesis 18, verse 19. God is speaking. For I have chosen him. I have chosen Abraham. Why? That he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. So Abraham himself would be the means through which the promise would be fulfilled. So you see, God uses means to fulfill his promise with respect to covenant children. And as Abraham had responsibilities to carry out with respect to his offspring, so do Christian parents today. The emphasis on parental training and nurturing is found throughout the word of God. Uh, We take this verse from Proverbs, a familiar verse, Proverbs 22, verse 6, as representative of all. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And then we get the New Testament equivalent, Ephesians 6 and verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so this morning, in preparation for the sacrament of baptism, we will look at what is involved in training up a child in the way he should go, and of bringing our children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In a very real sense, parents are called to mediate God's truth to their children. Parents are the channel through which the knowledge of God and the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the knowledge of the gospel are communicated to their children. And in doing so, in doing so, parents can learn much from the example of Jesus Christ, the one mediator between God and man. As mediator, Jesus Christ fulfills three offices or three functions, that of prophet, priest and king. Jesus Christ is our prophet, he is our priest and he is our king as we relate to God in heaven. 
And Christian parents are called to exercise these roles as they train their little ones for God. We'll look at each one in turn. First of all, training children involves a prophetic role. Training children involves a prophetic role. But today we think of a prophet as one who foretells the future. Uh, sometimes I'm asked about what will happen in the future and I invariably reply that God called me to be a preacher. He didn't call me to be a prophet. However, the Old Testament prophet had a dual role. As well as foretelling the future, he also proclaimed the word already revealed. For example, at the end of Isaiah 58, the prophet reminds the people about the importance of the fourth commandment, to call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honourable. Now that was something that had already been revealed and he was proclaiming a word already given. And it is that sense that parents are to have a prophetic ministry to their children. This is explicitly stated in Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Uh, you shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise. You see, some parents have the idea that the church has been given the primary responsibility for the spiritual training of covenant children. But, but that idea is erroneous. It is false. It finds no basis in the word of God. Yes, it is the duty of the church to provide structure and to provide support and to provide encouragement to Christian parents. And this will be done through the worship services on the Lord's Day and uh, through Sabbath school and through the, the, the CY and through, through camps. Uh, and all of you today who are members and Christian friends will be asked to take a vow. And in that vow you will promise to pray for, for the child being baptised today. But, but no matter how excellent the minister no matter how dedicated the Sabbath school teachers, no matter how engaging the youth leaders may be, there can be no substitute, no substitute whatsoever for parental instruction. It's the duty of all Christian parents then to take on this prophetic role and be involved in communicating the mind and will of God as revealed in the scriptures to their children. And when does that training begin? From birth, from infancy. Right from the outset, parents should seek by God's grace to live out the truth of the gospel before their little ones. And to so in that way they're communicating God's will. And the atmosphere of the home should be permeated by the love of Christ. This might be called informal training. But then there is the formal training, and the proper context for that is daily family worship, where the word is read, where a brief explanation may be given, where the word is sung, and where prayer is offered up to God. From a human point of view, then, 
Uh, it may seem meaningless to have a baby present at a worship service like this. But it is not meaningless to God. By his spirit, the things of Christ are communicated to little ones in ways that we could never fathom, in ways that we could never understand, because God speaks to little ones. Remember what Jesus said in Mark 10, verse 14. And these were children, uh, babes in mother's arms. Let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such, to such belongs the kingdom of God. Train up a child in the way he should go. So parents, are you doing the work of a prophet in your home and communicating God's truth to your little ones? Are you instructing your children by precept and example with respect to the wonderful things of God, with respect to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ? Training children involves a prophetic ministry. Then secondly, training children involves a priestly role. A priestly role. The Old Testament prophets were involved in offering sacrifices to God. All of these pointed forward to the Lamb of God who offered up himself a sacrifice upon the cross. The righteous one, that he might bring us the unrighteous one to God. As we read in 1 Peter 3 verse 18. Now in that sense, in that sense the role of priests is over. The role of priests is finished. Christ has been sacrificed once for all. Parents now must point their children to the provision made for sinners in that one great high priestly act, the suffering of death of Jesus Christ upon the cross. But Jesus Christ is no longer on a cross. He was buried on the third day. He rose again, triumphant over death and the grave. After 40 days, he ascended into heaven and is now seated at God's right hand in glory. And as Hebrews 7.25 informs us, he always lives to make intercession for his people. When we say that parents are to act as priests for their children, we're thinking about the ministry of intercessory prayer. As Christ lives in heaven to make intercession for his people, so parents, while they live on earth, will be praying for their children. And how little ones need the prayers of their parents. They need the prayers of their parents for their physical needs, for their educational needs, for their emotional needs, but above all, above all, for their spiritual needs. As children enter this world, they have a heart defect. They come into this world with a heart of stone. They come into this world with a sinful nature. And their greatest need, their primary need, is a new heart. A heart of flesh. A heart responsive to God and his word. And God alone, God alone can give them this new heart.
called sometimes the new birth, also called regeneration. And so Christian parents will pray, will pray even before the child is born and daily after the child is born for God to grant this request. Give my little one a new heart, a heart to know you, a heart to love you, a heart to respond to your word. And when parents are praying, they, will, they need to remember that they're pleading with God on the basis of promise. For in the covenant, as we were thinking earlier, God promised to Abraham, I will be a God to you and to your offspring after you. Now some, some think that this covenantal promise no longer applies. That in the new administration of the covenant of grace, it has been made redundant especially with regard to children. Well, that is a wrong, uh, false conclusion. It is very significant that when Peter was preaching to the Jews gathered in Jerusalem, he underlined the fact that the covenantal promise was still in vogue. It was still current. It still applied in the new covenant era. Acts 2.39 For the promises to you and for your children... And for all who are afar off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. For the promises to you and for your children. That's the language of the Abrahamic covenant. Which these devout Jews gathered from all over the Mediterranean basin for the, the Feast of Pentecost would have quickly picked up. And so as Christian parents pray, they pray on the basis of the covenantal promise. And it will sound something like this. Lord, you are my God. You've been a God to me and my wife and have blessed us richly. Now be a God to our sons. Be a God to our daughters that they may know you, that they may love you. That each one of them will place their trust in Jesus Christ as their saviour and king. Be a God to them as you have promised in the covenant. So you day and daily plead the promise and seek God to fulfill it. It's only on the basis of the covenantal promise that we can expect household salvation. And Christian parents should give themselves no rest and give God no rest until this prayer has been answered. When the Philippian jailer inquired about the salvation of his soul. Remember what he was told by by the missionaries. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. The covenantal promise. John G. Payton grew up in a covenanting home near Dumfries in the 1820s. And on hearing the call of God, he was sent as a missionary to the New Hebrides. In his autobiography, he speaks of the little room in the cottage where he spent his childhood, to which his father would often retire. These are the words of Patton. Thither daily, and oftentimes a day, we saw our father retire and shut the door. Uh, And we children got to understand by a sort of spiritual instinct For the thing was too sacred to be talked about. 
that prayers were being poured out there for us as of old by the high priest within the veil in the most holy place. That prayers were being poured out there for us. Many years ago when I went to Lisburn, the tax inspector for Lisburn uh, made me a visit, came to see me. Ominous. But thankfully, it wasn't about tax matters. Rather, it was about spiritual matters. He was originally from Scotland. I had known his brother, and he wanted to drop in for a chat. And he told me that he was one of five boys, and that his father was a minister. During the visit, he talked about his home and told me that he remembered creeping up the stairs late one evening after a night out in the town and passing his father's room he heard him pray for him and for his brothers something that he never forgot that was his frequent practice sadly his father died without seeing any of his five sons converted but after his death one by one they all came to faith and Myrtle Alec the tax inspector was the last to come to faith at the age of 59. Now that's unusual. Very often covenant children will be given that new heart early in life so they will never remember a time that they didn't know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. But if that doesn't happen early in life, parents must keep on praying and pleading the promise and they may not see it fulfilled even in their lifetime. Training children involves a priestly role. Parents have this primary function, but all of us have a responsibility to pray for the children born within the congregation and growing up within the fellowship. So seek to be faithful in prayer for the covenant children here in Trinity. So parents have a prophetic role, they have a priestly role, and now finally, parents have a kingly role in bringing up their children. The ultimate source of all authority is Jesus Christ. Remember what he said to his disciples before his ascension. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. However, Christ, in his sovereign wisdom, has delegated authority to civil rulers to implement his rule within the state. He's delegated authority to elders to implement his rule in the church. And he's delegated authority to parents to implement his rule in the home. The husband is the head of the home, but his wife joins him in implementing the rule of Christ within the sphere of the home. And the authority which they exercise is not theirs because they are older or taller or stronger or better educated than their children. The reverse can often be the case, especially as children get older. No, the authority belongs to parents because it has been delegated to them by Jesus Christ. And it is the duty of children 
to obey their parents in the Lord. What happens when children are rebellious? What happens when children willfully and deliberately disobey their parents? In other words, what happens when children sin? Well, it's the duty of parents to bring to their notice that sin has consequences. Bad consequences. The ultimate consequence of sin, of course, is death. For the wages of sin is death. So, so hire parents to demonstrate to their children that sin, that disobedience, has terrible, unpleasant consequences. It is through discipline. <clears throat> Hear the word of God. Proverbs 13, verse 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Proverbs 23, 13 and 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from shale. <clears throat> Punishment of course, must be commensurate with the offence. A neighbour brought Matthew Henry home to his father one day after he caught his son climbing a tree in his garden. Philip Henry, the father, reprimanded, reprimanded his son, uh, at which the, the, the neighbour <coughs> barked out, Are you not going to beat the boy, <coughs> Mr Henry? No, said the father, what would I ha not have to do if he told me a lie? <clears throat> Punishment must be commensurate. Ephesians 6 verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This kind of parental discipline, of course, runs counter to the philosophy of many of our 21st century world. Parents who are listening to the gurus of this world hear that children should not be curbed in any way, that absolute free expression should be encouraged. But the people of God take their cue, not from unbelieving child psychologists, but from the creator of our race. For it is to this creator that we will one day give an account of how we have lived for Christ in the fallen world. And very particularly it is to God that we will have to give an account as to how we as parents have acted as prophets, priests and kings to our children. And so I say to every parent here today, be a good parent to your children. And you will only be considered a good parent in the eyes of Christ if you are seeking consistently to be a daily prophet and a daily priest and a daily king to your children. Of course, if we are to fulfill these roles for the spiritual well-being of our children, then you must seek to learn from Christ. You must seek to have Christ as your daily prophet as he teaches you by his word and spirit. 
You must have him as your great high priest, looking to his sacrificial death to cover the debt of your sin and relying on his constant intercession in heaven so that you will persevere to the end. And to have him as your illustrious king, being prepared to live in daily submission to his rule and giving to him the glory that belongs to him alone. And remember, it is an act of gross hypocrisy for parents to seek to administer the rule of God over their children, where they themselves are living in rebellion to that rule. In fact, such hypocrisy will breed cynicism and unbelief in the hearts of their children. So every parent must submit to Jesus Christ, confessing sin and acknowledging him as Saviour and Lord. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We rejoice in Jesus Christ, as our prophet, priest, and king. And may your children have cause to rejoice as you seek to mediate the truth of Christ to them, as you seek to be prophets, priests, and kings within the context of home and family life. Amen. Our Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Uh, We thank you for the challenge to Uh, Train up our our children in the way that they should go, uh, so that when they are old they may not depart from you. Uh, And we thank you, Father, for uh, faithful parents and grandparents in this congregation who have been seeking to be faithful to you uh, as daily prophets and daily priests and daily kings to their children and grandchildren. Uh, And our Father, we we pray especially for the parents who have the challenge of this responsibility day and daily. Uh, And we thank you for uh, the many children and young people in this congregation who have responded uh, to the offer of mercy in Jesus Christ and who have improved their baptism, who have come to to acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Saviour and Lord. Uh, And for those uh, yet who have not responded, we do pray, O God, that you would remember your promise to be a God not only to your people, but to their children after them, and that you would hear the prayers and respond to the prayers, the pleading of Christian parents, so that uh, in their lifetime they might see all their children coming uh, to know the Lord And our Father, we we thank you for the confidence that you give to us in your word uh, as we seek to fulfill it for you. So our Father, bless us now as we continue in worship uh, to engage in the sacrament of baptism. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.